152 yards should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. <laughs> Yo, yo, yo. Ladies and gentlemen, fans of golf, welcome to the Preferred Lines podcast. My name is Joe Idoni. At Tour Picks is the Twitter handle, which you can find me uh, and all of the content that I do there is out for free each and every week. I uh, got an incredible show lined up for you tonight. We are going to recap uh, the historic round, uh, asterisk round at Live Greenbrier. We're going to talk about what we saw last week at the finale of the regular season, what's incoming for the, the rest of the FedEx Cup playoff race, and preview and give some picks for uh, this FedEx St. Jude this week, which I'm excited to do. Um, joining me on the show is one of my good friends, one of my oldest friends on Twitter, so excited to bring him on here in just a minute. But before we get started, must mention that we are brought to you in part by the Fantasy Golf Pod. My friends over there, I was on their show last week. I called in from the car. We had a nice little chat. We talked about Denny McCarthy. And things went off the rails, uh, as you can probably imagine. But make sure to support their content. They are publishing and starting to produce stuff under a brand new YouTube handle. Um, I should have that available, but I do not. But just go follow their Twitter handle and you will see all of that content is going to be available. Um, at preferredlinesgolf.com is the website where you can follow all the shows. You can download all the historic uh, podcasts that have gone down uh, throughout the start of the show. They are all available there. All of the live streams are as well. There is merch up. Anything you want, it's available there on the website. Thank you. If you are here joining us live, I see that there are some people. So drop your name in the comments. This is the first week that we are not streaming live on Twitter under the advice and the guidance of a few people that I really respect that do golf content. They kind of uh, gave me the nod and told me that it probably isn't the best idea to stream it every week on Twitter and try to convert some of those people over to YouTube. So that's what I am doing now. If you are here, I would greatly appreciate a like and a subscribe on that channel right below the screen that you are watching. Now, without further ado, let's bring on our guest. Let's talk what we got this week. Welcoming back to Preferred Lines for, I believe, his third round here on the show. Good friend Ryan Baroff. What's up, RB? Joe, happy to be here. Uh, I was hoping we would start off with some somber music for the Denny McCarthy funeral. Um, are we over it yet? I'm never over it. I might be back <laughs> this week, to be honest with you, because the time to get in on Denny is when everyone else is sort of out that I've come to realize, although there's never really a time to get in. But how can I start with somber music after you pulled off the double? Bryson at live. Glover at Wyndham. Um, how does it feel, man? It's been a while since I hit a winner. I forget the feeling. <laughs> it feels good. Yeah, it was probably the first Sunday in a while where I can say I, I ran good, right? You, um, I even tweeted early in the morning, like, you know, I don't want to sweat these two guys today. Bryson shoots 58, and uh, Lucas Glover gets the gift of a bogey, bogey, bogey Russell Henley finish. Yes. Uh, when he hadn't even really sniffed a bogey all day. Um, yeah, we'll take it and we're running to the playoffs. We'll take it. Let's start with Liv Greenbrier. The round by Bryson was epic. I watched actually most of it because, you know, I enjoyed kind of the early start for Liv on Sunday. 
Um, I we've seen two 59s there, I believe, during its time with PGA mm-hmm. Tour events. So it's not extremely unusual to see like a really low one. But a 58 is a 58. I don't really care what driver he was using. I don't care what sort of uh, tees were set up. Extremely impressive. And the guy looks back like his his swing, his health, everything looks to sort of be aligning. And it seems like he is probably in for a big end of the season with Liv. Where do you sort of stand on him right now? Is he like within the big three there? Is it DJ Brooks, Bryson or Cam? Maybe big four? Yeah, yeah, I'd say four for sure. Um, yeah, he's been really consistent all season, and I mean, we saw it. You know, he's been making cuts in majors, hasn't really had the upside of a Brooks or even like a Patrick Reed who's really done well in majors this year. But yeah, I mean, you can compare the strengths of field and all of that, but a number is a number. Dude shot 12 on par, <laughs> shot 58. Um, I don't care about preferred lines, lies too much. Uh, we all rolled the ball in the fairway. I shot 86 doing it. So, you know, we can all do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, props to Bryson. It's been great. He is, he's good for golf, right? It doesn't matter where he's playing. Um, I hope we see more of him. I hope we get more content. I hope we get more 58s. Um, I didn't watch it, but but uh, I did watch the highlights. So There is a, I, I don't know if it's out yet, but I've seen teasers of the match between him and Phil. And it looks to be great content that I will for sure. Bait and switch, buddy. Bait and switch. It's it, not out? No, it's out. It's a 2v2 match. Oh, it's, no. It's him and Enerbon <laughs> against Phil and Tringali. I saw Tringali and I turned it off, so uh, I will not be watching. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah, I was hoping to do it. I saw some things where they were debating how much Buddy to play for. Um, but, yeah, that's a shame. But, honestly, like, it was a very – like as clean as it can be for there wasn't really long putts outside of the last hole. Um, he was just basically hitting that, that 4,900 CC driver. And do you know what I would pay to have content of my players playing the golf course the Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday of that event. Right. Like you could see the driver in play. You could see how putting you. Yeah. I would kill for that content. So, and just to be able to like get some insight, like I've been trying to, I, I shouldn't say trying, I've been doing the show for tour junkies on the live previews all season long. And mm-hmm. I've kind of found my resources where you can glean a little bit of information, but for the most part, um, you're relatively in the dark in terms yep. of course setup. You've got to kind of go off, you know, basically the, you've got to do a lot of research on the actual golf course and their homepage. Like nothing is easy to sort of find out. So it, from a handicapping perspective, or I guess trying to pick a winner, it's sort of difficult, but we were talking about this right before we went live. And there's basically seven, eight guys right now that are winning all the live events with the exception of what happened in the early season last year. And you're honestly getting pretty given if you think that there's seven, eight guys that can win. You're getting pretty generous odds on every one of them each week. Like you're gonna not going to have to pay a Scheffler and Rom price this week when there's maybe 15, 20 guys who can win. Yeah, kind of. It's it's just in the cycle. You know, these guys are 14 to 1, 15 to 1, then they win and they go to 9. And then the other guys go from 12 to 14 to 16, and it just keeps cycling through. So, yeah, I was lucky to get Bryson at, at the peak at, at – at the 16 to one number. And uh, we're going to do it this week with Dustin Johnson. I love that. Have, I want to go sort of to Wyndham. Have you made any adjustments 
like long-term betting strategy with the PGA tour. It seems like we've kind of had from a betting perspective, what I would say like uh, two seasons in a sense where the beginning of the year was just favorites. There were weeks when it was like, do you remember the weeks when it was like without John Rom bets, there was like a board because he was yeah. such a heavy favorite. Like Scott. And then the second half of the season, we've seen Glovers. We've seen, you know, yeah. Wyndham Clark. We've seen Brian Harmon. Like we've seen countless opportunities with these long shots. Do you basically morph your strategy as the year goes on to sort of adapt to some of these trends? Or do you kind of flatline things and understand that at the end of the year, it all sort of shakes out in the middle? That's a good question. I would say I, I definitely probably flatline things more than anybody. I um, I tend to take a, a pretty long-term view at things. And I think, you know, when you're coming out of winter break and things like that, nobody has any fucking idea how these guys are going to play, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know what they're doing that winter. You don't know who's healthy. We sometimes know who got married and who had a kid and, and kind of all that stuff. Um, but I will say, as you get into the end of the season, when the majors sort of wind down, most of these guys have their position set for the playoffs where your top guys are either not playing that much, don't have quite as much to play for, don't need to put the pressure on themselves. And that's when you can sneak in there with a Lee Hodges, with a Lucas Glover. Um, and actually this year with a Wyndham Clark and a Brian Harmon in the majors. So yeah. Um, yeah. Really cool year this year though. It was a cool year. And like, I, I, I love when these long shots kind of hit home and I, unfortunately I haven't really been able to hit them as much as I should, but like, I can't say that to many of them, at least Hodges and Glover, like there was a pretty relatively easy path to getting there. Like guys in good form who are striking the ball well and are up there like 80 to hundred to one. Like I can see how you would have landed on any of them. Brian Harmon was probably one that in Clark, I would just would have naturally not bet because I just, I usually construct things differently in a major championship versus the three M open. So I downgrade those type of players in a major, but that was of course proven not to be true, true this year, uh, this year either. Yeah. And I think again, I mean, you can talk majors versus non-majors, but is him winning the Wells Fargo in elevated event really that much different from a major, maybe a little bit, but most of those same guys are there. Still four rounds, still a tough golf course. Um, now, Brian Harmon was an outsider, but at least from a top 20 DraftKings perspective, was very popular. Um, and he was a top 25, or I, I think maybe he was 26, but a top 26 player in the world at the time. So not like they're coming from nowhere. It's just not from the top of the board. Yeah, the the one, I think the biggest storyline, though, from last week was obviously what they sort of focused on down the stretch outside of Glover, which was the, the Justin Thomas thing, right? Yeah. Misses the playoffs by one point. You couldn't have really drawn it up with like a more exciting finish. Um, what does that mean for players like Adam Scott and Justin Thomas moving into next season? Like long-term, like what does it mean for their ability to get into elevated events next year? How does that affect maybe their fall swing? Um, do you see any sort of long-term effects on their game negatively from missing out on the playoffs this year? I don't. Um, I think for guys in that next tier who are not Justin Thomas and not Adam Scott, there will definitely be some. Um, I tried to read through the schedule a bit today where they broke out the fields. And I mean, obviously the top 50 are are in all the designated events. Um, and then they have play-in series from the fall where those guys will get into those events. And then they have uh, play-ins kind of throughout the year. 
But even if it wasn't mentioned in that article, you know there's a handful of exemptions left, maybe five, maybe 10 for each of those. And they're going to call them sponsor exemptions or tour exemptions, whatever you want. Justin Thomas is going to get into every one of those events. That he um, wants to, yeah. I don't have any doubt about that. Yeah. Um, do you see... Oh, I wanted to ask you about Palm Beach Classic. So we don't <laughs> oh, need it's no yeah. longer the Hod the Classic. We do have an event, which I was excited about. And yeah. this year we're not on the heels of the Genesis. Now we're still, you know, right before the Arnold Palmer and the players. But I think that they maybe caught a little bit of break being after Mexico. Do you think like with the restructuring of a new schedule, both in a spot where it is and with not on the heels of that, that we could potentially get back to a decent field next year. Huge. Yeah, absolutely. I think all those things uh, definitely come into play. Anybody who is not in the top 50 is not going to skip that week. Like you're going to see Adam Scott at the Honda classic next year. Like, right. I have no doubt about that. You might see Justin Thomas anyways, because he, yeah. because they all live here. Right. So I do think that field is going to get better. Um, I wish it had a sponsor. I assume they're going to get a sponsor, but yeah, for now it's just the classic of the Palm Beaches. Yeah, I think we got a Myrtle Beach classic too. So yeah, the classic of the Palm Beaches. Um, yeah. it'll be interesting, man. I wanted before we sort of shift gears to to St. Jude um, Ryder Cup. So I've had like four straight guests on my show who I've <laughs> sort of tried to talk into. I just tried to play devil's advocate at first for like Team yeah. USA side, and they've all been betting team europe and giving me strong cases to bet team europe now this morning ryan it's down to minus 140 on a book that i had there's 145s mm -hmm. like everywhere um the price has been slashed it is on the discount aisle are you in agreement with those previous guests that europe is still the sharp play or is there a point in time which the pendulum has swung too far and we take the united states of america I wish I could have gotten more money down because, yeah, I, I, I've been betting Europe for a while. Um, now would be the point to hedge because I can lock in a profit, <laughs> but I didn't bet enough that it really makes any difference. Um, hmm. I do think the pendulum swung a little bit, right? But I also think depending on how these next few weeks shake out, yeah. you could get a very, very, very mediocre United States team here versus what we just saw at uh, Whistling Straits, which was probably the best team we've ever seen. Um, you know, you already got Harmon in there. You got Wyndham Clark in there. Not that they're not great, but like Keegan, right. Could easily get in there. Not that he's bad, but you know, he's not Justin Thomas. He's not Bryson. He's not DJ. Hell, what if fucking Denny McCarthy wins this week? What if Russell Henley wins this week? Right? Like there is still stuff to happen. Uh, we've seen Billy Horschel do this. We've seen Ryan Moore do this when he got into the Ryder cup based on a FedEx cup playoff run. So, um, I just don't think the U S should be favored right now. Um, they haven't won there in 30 years. There's a lot of flux in this team. Like it'll probably settle at like minus 140 or 135, but uh, I think it's still fair to bet Europe. Yeah. Do you think that assuming by the end of the FedEx Cup playoffs, he is not in the top six? Do you think Zach Johnson takes Brooks Kepka on the team? Yes. Do you think there think, are any other live guys even in consideration? Yes. Um, okay. And it's really, it's purely political, right? Like, I think he doesn't want to pick live guys, but he also doesn't want to make it look like he's not picking live guys, right? Mm -hmm. You can't not pick Brooks Kepka after he almost won two majors this year. Like, right. and, and it seems like the guys want him on the team. 
And that's the big difference between him and Bryson. Like, you don't know if the guys want Bryson on the team. They would take DJ in a second, but he's probably not the guy right now. So um, I think it all depends sort of what happens these few weeks because there are some guys outside of the top six right now who you know are getting picked in Spieth, in Fowler, um, probably Morikawa as well. So there's just not a lot of room. Just devil's advocate, Taylor Gooch wins Bedminster, mm-hmm. and he's got four wins this summer. Any in, any chance Gooch is on the team, or has he just totally burned all those bridges with the other guys? Yes, I think it's a combination of he's burned those bridges. I mean, he was one of the last guys in that lawsuit. Um, he's been kind of a dick about been it. Kind of a dick, and and he didn't do anything in the majors. He didn't even try and qualify for the U.S. Open. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I. I yeah, Brooks is in. Bryson would probably be number two, and then DJ would be number three if they choose to go that route. Yeah, I, I, I really, I think Brooks is in. I think he has to be in, but it, I don't yeah. know. Like nothing at this point would totally shock me if there was like, you know, because they kind of said all along, like if you qualify on points, there's really nothing mm-hmm. we can do. But other than that, you guys are out. And then, yeah. but the, everything has changed in the last two months, where I think that that's a possibility. No, Euro, like there's no w- way Sergio gets on that team, right? No. No, there's not enough room because I, I do think uh, McIntyre is going to get an automatic points bid. Most likely, um, I don't see any of those other guys passing him on this last stretch. So there's really only one spot available, I think, because I think Moronk is in. I think Sepp Straka is in and then McIntyre is in. So you have one spot. Um, I have no idea who it's going to be yet, but yeah, there's only one spot left. Who would you lean? Is Yannick Paul in the mix? Is he that guy? No, I mean, the best player is Aver, but I don't think he's done enough that they can take him. Uh, Adrian Dumont, Adrian Dumont has been great, but can't take a corn fairy guy. Yeah. I think right now it would probably be Nikolai Hoygaard. Um, I think they know that those twins are going to be part of those teams for a long time. And like, why not get him on a team now at a course where he's won on a team with Rory, Rom, Oblin, and all those guys? Um, I think that pick makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a rallying cry around that team and something I feel like a special team room for them. And and I worry about some of the the stuff that's going on sort of behind the scenes with Team USA. But let's talk St. Jude. Uh, We're back in Memphis. We know the course. We've seen it many times. Par 70, just over 7,200 yards. Coincidentally, like almost identical on the scorecard to what Greenbrier was last week. So. Uh, I don't think we're going to see anyone threaten 59 at this event as it historically does play uh, much harder than we had seen, obviously, at past events there. Um, some of the narrowest fairways are one of the things that I had in mind. Obviously, the greens are super slick. It's hot out there. Um, scoring conditions are difficult. And the other thing like I just have in my notes from years past is um, – if a guy sucks at putting, like this might be a decent spot to take him. And I like to pick a lot of guys who are not good putters. Anything that I miss there, what's like the number one thing that you're sort of looking for to associate with a player and a success ratio here? Yeah, I mean, if you just want to pick a skill set, I, I do think uh, iron play is probably the most important thing. Um, you do have to drive it well here, but we've seen plenty of short hitters play well here. Um, so you do not have to hit it far. You just have to keep it out of the water. Um how fun was last year's event, though? Oh, I mean, incredible! One of the best finishes. I mean, most. I don't know if you. I assume you had the Zalatoris ticket. Everyone had the. Zalatoris I did not have ticket. the Zalatoris ticket. Nope. All right. Everyone else had the Zalatoris ticket. Um, but it was yeah. It was just a very fun event. Um, and the leaderboard. I mean, 
course, we had a great winter, but it wasn't, you know, as strong as people thought it would be. So, yeah, I've had a couple of close finishes here. I had, um, I had the Brooks year. I had Sam Burns losing in a playoff here at this mm-hmm. event. So it's been a rough history, although I do enjoy this and and like this course as a first setup for sort of the FedEx Cup playoffs. And I'm excited next week for to get uh, Olympia Fields back in the mix as well. So we're, we should be in for like it, it, an exciting last three weeks. I, I'll you know, we can all sort of take our jabs at how the thing ends the tour championship. But yeah. these next two weeks are typically fantastic and great courses and great experiences and guys that are obviously amped up and playing for a ton of money. Yeah. And I think for us, just, you know, living in Florida, it's, it's a Florida course, essentially, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's the type of golf we're used to playing. It's windy. Yeah. It's Bermuda. There's a shit ton of water. You're going to make bogeys. You're probably going to make some doubles. Um, so, and so based on that, I think it is pretty easy to put together the profile of player that you want. You just got to pick the right guys. All right. Let's talk through some guys here. Top of the board. Nice to see some names back in the mix that we haven't seen in a few weeks since the Open Championship. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, minus, or excuse me, plus six fifty is the best number currently available at these sports books. John Rahm is nine to one. Rory McIlroy is nine to one. Then we jump to Patrick Cantlay. I just let's before I even get to Cantlay, let's start with the top three. Ryan, I know that you're like I'm, I'm you're semi like me and typically not one to venture into these under 10 to one guys. But if you had to take one for the three, who do you think makes the best case for this course fit? John Rahm. Um, he's got a fifth and a seventh here. Um, he obviously went through a bit of a rut. Uh, we'll call it master's hangover. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's not forget the guys won four times this year. He finished second in Mexico was 10th at the U S open, almost won the open. Like <laughs> he's playing very well. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's, you know, I think he's hungry. Um, I definitely see this as a, a bit of a letdown spot for Rory. Um, obviously playing great. We saw him miss the cut here last year. Um, just feels like a letdown spot. And uh, I'm not going to call it a letdown spot for Scotty Scheffler because he will probably be in the top 10. Um, I just, I just don't feel like this is a Scotty Scheffler golf course. Yeah, I don't feel it here either. Um, the course history is not great. In the last four times, he has one top 15, and it was a 14th in 2021. Uh, missed the cut last year, uh, so not a good finish. And he's losing so many strokes putting. <laughs> now, the one thing that is concerning to me is, like, I've seen Justin Thomas. I've seen Will Zalatoris. I've seen these guys who historically are in the midst of an awful putting season show up here and and yeah. somehow figure it out and win. He does like kind of like these very fast Bermuda greens. When you look mm-hmm. at Phoenix and you look at the players and you look at the Arnold Palmer and some of the places that he's had success, like it kind of does show a little bit of a course fit. And it just coming off an abysmal 23rd place finish uh, at the Open Championship. So, yeah, the <laughs> struggles may be a bit overstated for Scotty. Um, off of one bad week but uh, it's not like we're getting a discounted price right the the no. odds makers obviously have factored in that um, he is still a pretty pretty substantial favorite to win yeah and just a couple other things he hasn't putted well here either like you mentioned he's got a couple missed cuts has no top tens and five appearances here so the fact that he's not putting well right now and hasn't putted well on this golf course doesn't give me a lot of hope that he's going to find it 
Um, and the other thing, you know, I don't look too much at like super specific stat buckets, but I did look at that that sort of longer par four range. And I mean, over the last four or five events, he's been trending the wrong direction in those. So um, yeah, that guy's six to one. I got no interest in that this week. Uh, next range, Patrick Cantlay, 16, the one who I mentioned earlier. Xander's there at 18, Hovland 20. Colin Morikawa is 25 to one. Tyrrell's 25 to one. Um, those are all the guys currently under 30. Do any of these players have your interests or your dollars? Yes. Um, I did look very close at Hatton. Just felt like the price is just a little short for a guy who's just not getting over the finish line. He's, he's basically Tommy Fleetwood. Like he won one event three years ago. Um, and now he's, you know, eight to 10 points shorter than Fleetwood is for probably no reason. So, um, but I did start my card with uh, Colin Morikawa this week. Uh, Bet Rivers had a 33 to one um, with the top five there, which I appreciate. I would, I would be shocked if Colin Morikawa ends his career without a win at this golf course. Um, It just seems perfect for him. You've got to be accurate. Uh, You don't have to putt that well. Uh, He's won, uh, at uh, WGC concession, which, uh, of course, we only have one year of data on it, but seems like a pretty similar course. And uh, he's done well here. Three of three cuts, uh, fifth last year where he gained in all four categories. So uh, sign me up for more power. Yeah, I've yet to pull the trigger on this range, but he's probably between him and Hatton are the two that I'm sort of shuffling back and forth from. Um, not interested in Xander or Cantlay, not sub 20 to one, which they're pretty much always going to be. I just don't really trust their their upside. I'd rather go to these guys down below. And Morikawa's obviously shown signs. He's one of three iron players in the field, um, gaining over a stroke per round with the approach play. So that is clearly back in the wheelhouse. The other two are, are Scotty Scheffler, who's gaining a stroke and a half, uh, and Lucas Glover, your boy Lucas Glover, in the field as well. So yeah. um, a couple of guys who are absolutely striping it right now, and I do feel like you know coming off the good performance there in Detroit and like it backed it up right before the open championship there in Scotland. So I'm sorry, not Scotland, um, the rocket mortgage and the U S open. He had decent that. So a couple of good shots around this track as well here. I, I, you know, I mentioned the thing about good, not good putters having some success here, which could come into play for Morikawa as well. I just don't know if 25 is quite enough. I was really interested, you know, I wanted, and I texted you this morning, my book had a 25 to one on Tommy Fleetwood and there are still those out there. I thought it was rather criminal. There are 33s there and it just seems like I want 35 to 40 to one on Fleetwood. That is a fair price on him given that he doesn't win and given to suck people in, but apparently people just love betting Fleetwood or they have an outstanding respect for his wit equity that is never proven to be true. So I don't know what it is, but does he, is there, are you in on Fleetwood? Is there a price that's like nice enough for you to get there? I, yes, I took the 33. I, I honestly probably would have taken it down to 28 even. Um, He's just, he's like the, the third guy that I've been riding for the last few weeks. And I just, I still, I still feel like it's coming. Uh, I, I felt that way with Glover um, I felt that way with Ches this summer, which didn't work out, but I definitely feel that way with Fleetwood. Kind of like we felt with uh, Will Zalatoris last year. Like he just had so many close calls in really strong, really big events. Um, always just like in a playoff, close to a playoff, one shot away from a playoff. 
And again, if he can just harness the energy from the open, because I definitely worry about a bit of a letdown there. Uh, I think it's a great golf course for him. He has a fourth place finish here a few years ago, so he can play this golf course well. Yeah, and you know, he's actually starting to get um, his fairway accuracy numbers are starting to tick up a little bit. He's gaining strokes around the green. He's gaining strokes with the putter. Everything is trending in the right direction. You're right. I, too, have some concerns about what was ultimately had to be quite a letdown in terms of the weekend at the Open Championship for him. But I think enough time has passed that he's been able to put it past him. Um, I saw that he was working out there with Butch Harmon, so hopefully he's getting a swing back geared up toward the playoff run. If I had the 33, I would take it. Is that a product of, you know, most of your bets you take with an each way, correct? <laughs> I prefer to bet euros each way, yeah. Yeah, is there is does that make a difference for you? Like if there was a guy like Fleetwood or yeah. a Hatton or someone like that and it wasn't an each way, would you still consider the same number or is it just a play no. either way? No, probably not because in that case, <laughs> yeah. like I would almost rather just go bet a top 10 or top 20, right, and just – I sort of take the money that way because yeah, Fleetwood has a much better chance of finishing from third to eighth uh, in most weeks that he does winning. So yeah, for those of, for those who may be listening, who are unfamiliar with what I mean when I say each way, give us a quick, like 30 second each way for dummies understanding. Yeah. So it's basically like you're getting a, an outright bet and let's call it a top five in the same bet. And so you basically, if you're betting a hundred bucks, half of that money is the outright number Half of that money is the top five number, or in some cases, it's a top six or a top eight. Uh, but essentially, it's like you're betting outright and a top five at the same time. But the top five is a little better than the pricing you would get typically if you're just betting on a top a five market. Better. Yeah, it's yeah, it's usually a quarter of the price. So you'd be like eight and a half to one for a top five here. Right, versus his yeah. top five price if you're looking at like DraftKings Sportsbook is probably like, 400 plus 400. Yeah. Yeah. And so you end up probably having to bet more money than you typically do, mm -hmm. but it gives you that sort of golden parachute when your guy inevitably finishes second or third and fourth. I've had a summer of seconds, man. I wish <laughs> I had access to it. My first two plays though are in coming in this Dex range. So I passed on speeds, Fitzpatrick, Finau, Clark, um, all the guys that will probably end up winning and ended up going to Burns and Cameron young in the 40 range. Um, Liked what I saw out of Sam Burns last week on what I thought was not a terrific course fit for him. We're back sort of on a Florida-style course. We're back on Bermuda grass greens. I think that he does have the win equity that I'm sort of looking for in this range. And Cameron Young, I just feel like is too talented. If it is a spot where we saw Will Zalatoris breakthrough, it gives me a little confidence that maybe this is the year and the event where we see probably the next highest touted like young American player who has rose to Ascension um, in Cameron Young after Will Zalatoris just show up and maybe knock a win off in 45 to one in a 70 man field, I feel like is a pretty fair number. So those are my two like bigger play sort of in this 40 range and the two that I fired off on immediately this morning. I bet them as well. I can't, I can't argue with those at all. Um, I really like Cam Young this week. Uh, I probably like him even a little bit more than Sam Burns. I just, again, feel like the narrative has flipped too far in the wrong direction on him uh, because he had two bad months. And in those two bad months, he was still gaining strokes off the tee every event and most weeks on approach. So uh, ball striking still been there. Um, just has to find the short game. 
I like him a little better than Burns because Burns just doesn't seem to have the spike weeks right now. Um, he's been putting really well all season, and that's kind of helped him get a bunch of these top 10, top 15, top 20 finishes. But, like, you don't see him gaining five strokes off the tee any events or six strokes approach like some of these guys. So um, he needs a big week. He knows he needs a big week because he's probably not on that Ryder Cup team right now. Let me ask you something about Cameron Young. And I was thinking about this with Justin Thomas. So as someone who is a very good player in yourself and sort of understands nuances of the golf swing, when people, a lot of people are comparing Ricky and Jordan to what is happening with JT. And I think that there were like major things out of whack with the golf swing of Ricky and Spieth when they sort of fell off, that they had to regain getting on path. I haven't really seen that with Justin Thomas. His swing looks the same to me visually. Cameron Young, same as well. Everything looks in order, and yet he goes through this massive slump where all of a sudden the iron play and the the off-the-tee game that was so consistent for a while left. He mentioned that he changed up, like I think, the shaft in his driver and the golf ball that he was using. Is Sometimes it's just that simple, and it's less mechanical and more just equipment-based and getting your setup proper. Yeah, I mean, I do agree with you that I don't see anything with Justin Thomas, you know, visually that looks much different. I'm sure there is. Um, And I think you may have actually talked about this last week. Dude's got a lot going on right now, right? Yeah. A ton of pressure on him. He got married last year. He's having a kid. Uh, All the pressure in the world of stuff going on. Sometimes sometimes you just play bad. Um, (laughs) But, like, in the numbers, like, when you look at it, when he was playing his best, you know, uh, 20, oh, really a lot of last year, even as he was uh, leading up into that PGA, he was gaining strokes across the board, right? Like he was putting pretty well. His short game was great and he still shows flashes of it, but like his ball striking has been down. His putter's gone. His short game hasn't been very good. No. So I think, you know, he's putting so much pressure on himself in the long game that he's getting in really bad spots and he's just not able to save those pars like he has been. Yeah, I agree with you there. What about, like, is Tom Kim going to play this week? He's going to play. I, I wouldn't touch him. Um, yeah, I wouldn't either. He was obviously hurt, um, and then he didn't play last week. So um, I'm sure he's fine. He would, he probably wouldn't be playing, but, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go there this week. Hideki's playing pretty well. Um, <laughs> he got screwed in that bunker situation last week. That was but, a one, yeah. like, the iron play has been pretty solid, and he had – I mean, I guess by his standards, it's not been fantastic, but a couple of 13ths there through the summer recently, obviously a second place here in 2021. Um, He's lost a lot of pop off the tee. He's only averaging like 290 right now, whereas Mm -hmm. he used to, I feel like, be one of the longer hitters, uh, you know, on tour during his heyday. It just seems like that is gone, but some of the iron play and the ball striking has returned to a little bit of form. It's a decent number. I wouldn't like disparage anyone for taking a 45 to one. I'm just not quite there with those other two selections of mine. I'm with you. Um, yeah. The iron play has been fine, but it's kind of been round around. Like he'll have a round where he gains four and then he loses one and then he loses one and then he gains five. So just, yeah, it just hasn't really been consistent. Um, but I think he's had a very underrated season. Like he hasn't won obviously, but he's been close. Um, I expect him to play well. Um, he's done well here before. I'm just not there uh, for an outright this week. Okay. What about anyone like over 50 to one? You got any guys? I mean, seems like a long price on Connors. Poston's Mm -hmm. here at 70. 
Cameron Davis coming off a great week is at 90. Denny off of like letting everyone down is at 91. You know, I had I had to mention him, dude. I was wondering what he was gonna be because like he could have been 50 or he could have been 150. I, I it really doesn't matter. Um, I look, I've come to the reality that he's probably not gonna win either way, and I'm yeah. still gonna bet him either way. So I might as well be more okay with the 90s than I am at like 25 to one. So um, yeah, I'm going to be there. If it's going to be a Florida course, yeah. if there's going to be, there's some elements, I still think that he's playing very well. And I would rather him than Cameron Davis, but maybe I'm wrong. I was, no, I think so. I was close on, on Davis. Um, he's shown a lot recently, but again, I, I just, he always seems to carry himself with the short game. Like he'll just randomly putt really well or chip really well. And, just hasn't had the off the tee and ball striking that I'm looking for. Um, if if I was going to go back to one guy who burned me last week, it would probably be Alex Smalley. Um, I think he makes a lot of sense here. He drives it better than Denny. Irons are better than Denny. Uh, better at par fours than Denny. Uh, he just he just can't putt. But um, no, there were two guys that I went to. Um, the first one, I don't know the last time I bet this guy. Um, but I like the number at, at 80 to one. And like, when you talk about the path that Lee Hodges went on and the path that the ball striking that Lucas Glover went on, I'm kind of seeing it here with Benny on mm. now it's a super, super strong field. And that worries me, but he just finished second in a decent field, finished third at the Scottish open. Um, I just, I feel like this could be a week for a breakthrough for Benny on. I like that call. Who was the other one you were thinking of? Harris English, who I think people are going to play because of the course history um, on paper. You know, it doesn't look pretty, but again, like he finds a way to get it around. Like he finished second at Bay Hill and third at Wells Fargo and eighth at the U S open. And like, aren't many guys who've done that. Um, right. And he was okay last week, but the irons came back and he's one here and has a fourth and has a 10th. So uh, probably more of a guy who I would bet for a top 10 or top 20. Um, but I did bet Harris English at 90 to one to end the card. Okay. Um, number struck me a little bit on Sung JM, but the form has been so terrible. I didn't really consider it. Corey Connors is one that I have earmarked right now. Um, I may in like sort of a top 20 market, go back to Adam Svensson. He let me down on the weekend but I've definitely seen positive signs with the iron play that clearly left him towards the beginning of the summer over the last few weeks in Minnesota and Detroit. Mm -hmm. Last week obviously made some strides there and was leading the Wyndham through two rounds and like always plays well sort of at the Florida stops and the Honda and on Bermuda grass is sort of where he has sort of found his niche. I worry about some of the length of some of the par fours because mm. I think that he does play better with a wedge or a nine iron or an eight iron in his hand. He's not very good with a five iron um but i still think 150 to one in a 70 man field could present some value in a top 20 gotta yeah you gotta bet your guys um i do yeah. it, so a couple more guys and i didn't really consider betting them but i would probably play them this week you know if you're gonna play the florida course narrative one i have no issue going back to lee hodges uh, he's been really good for a while i get no issue with that but um you got keith mitchell uh, who withdrew last week, which was kind of interesting. Um, I would have preferred him. I probably would have bet him last week, the Wyndham Honeys. Um, but great Florida courses. He's done okay here. Uh, ball striking has been good here. and just seems like a good course fit. Going to be very low on this week. 
Uh, and then if you scroll all the way down on DraftKings to a flat 6K number, there's Sam Ryder. Uh, you talk about a guy who can pop anywhere. Uh, and he obviously went to school in Florida, very comfortable on those types of golf courses like Valspar and things like that. So uh, if you want to jam like a, you know, Scotty Rory team, you grab Ryder for 6K and Hodges for 6,500 and pretty much do whatever you want after that. Yeah, no, I like both of those calls. Um, I thought for a second about Kitayama because of the Florida mm -hmm. thing, but I just don't think he's quite strong enough of an iron player, at least recently. And he's hitting 53% of his fairways over his last 36 rounds is, yeah. is like the worst in the field. He's going to he's gonna lose some balls in the water. Um, the other one that I consider, but I think that in terms of like DraftKings, a lot of people are going to gravitate here. And you tell me if I'm wrong, but Andrew... Andrew Putnam, um, good finishes here, super accurate off the tee. He's hitting almost 70% of his fairways, and he's got two top fives in his last three starts at this event. Good putter, I don't know, 6,400 flat. I just, yeah. I, I also am concerned that maybe too many people end up going there if they want to stack at the top. I agree. I think he is going to be popular. Um, now, probably a safe, like, top 20, top 30 bet. Uh, he doesn't do a lot wrong. Like you said, he, he hits a lot of fairways. Irons are pretty good. Uh, usually putts really well and has great course history. So I think, yeah, I think, again, just uh, it's another reason and, uh, and another week where you can make pretty easy pivots there. If he's going to be 6 to 8% owned and, you know, you can get Sam Ryder for 1% owned, I would just go that way. Love it, dude. All right, true or false before we get out of here. The Cleveland Browns win 10 or more games this season. I mean, I have to lead on course history here and say false. <laughs> but but I think nine and seven, right, I guess nine and eight now, could be enough to get a wild card. Uh, so I just I just want to see something. I want to have something to root for in week 15, right? I don't want to be dead by the bye week like we usually are, um, but I'm excited. It's it's probably the best team we've had in a while. The schedule is not too bad. Um, my concern is that the Bengals are still really good. The Ravens are still really good, and the Steelers are going to be pretty good. So, uh, yeah, those are six hard games right there. Yeah, nine and seven could actually be last place in the division, mm -hmm. and I actually am fairly high on this season. I have – been through this enough times like you where whenever expectations are really high we mm -hmm. suck it seems like expectations are pretty low this year given the talent on this team they're abnormally low which i like i was talking to my dad who's a who's a jets fan and their oh, expectations are yeah their ex my family's <laughs> out of control their expectations are through the roof and they have yeah. a good team but of course they're gonna let you down it's the browns and the jets when you think that you're gonna win 12 games uh, you're due yeah. for a terrible season. So I like our chances, man. We're, we're going to grind it out like we always do and sweat it out, all of our fumbles and missed field goals via text. Yeah, I mean, I look, I'm just glad they – I think they filled the holes that they had with really good players. Yeah, so you got to figure out the kicker, and it does feel like we need a backup running back now. I saw four get hurt today, so uh, – And a middle linebacker. Promise. I still think we need a linebacker. Yeah, let's call Zeke, uh, bring him in. You know, just yeah. run one yard at a time, and, and we'll be good to go. All right, dude. Got anything else you're going on this week content-wise? No, no, we're good. Um, I'm 
I'm honestly looking forward to next week when the Euro Tour comes back. I think there's a lot of really fun events to bet and a lot of Ryder Cup stuff on the line. So probably more excited about that next week. Awesome, dude. Well, I appreciate you once again coming on the show. Make sure to give Ryan a follow at rbearoff427 on Twitter. One of the sharpest golf minds and, and delivers winners every Monday morning free on the X app. Um, thanks for joining me, man. Have a great night. All right. You too, buddy. Thanks. Thanks, man. Later. All right, guys, that's going to do it for tonight. Best of luck this week. I appreciate you checking out the show. I really genuinely do. Thank you very much. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. Uh, we're going to keep running this thing through the playoff series. I may take a little hit and miss approach through the fall, looking to sort of re-engineer and imagine this thing and figure out a strategy for next season as well. If you've got any ideas, DMs are always open. Feel free uh, to send me over any thoughts that you may have. Appreciate your support. Best of luck. Hope that you hit a winner this week, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Peace. Mm -hmm.